Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Country Heat Weekly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Hey, friends, it's Kelly and Amber, and we are back at the Country Heat House on Music Row. Hard at work. That's right. Season four of Country Heat Weekly launches next week with someone who has never been on the podcast before. Tim McGraw! (laughs) Yes! We've got one more encore for you this week, and it's a fun one. Now, you may have heard that Shania Twain is releasing a special 25th anniversary edition of her incredible album, Come On Over. Both the U.S. and international versions have been remastered from the original tapes for the very first time. And the digital edition, which, of course, you can get on Amazon Music, includes duets with Elton John and Chris Martin, live tracks, and remixes. We had an amazing conversation with Shania back in February, celebrating the release of her latest album, Queen of Me. She's still going strong. Enjoy this chat, and we'll be back here next week with Tim McGraw. We're going to move now into the Shania special edition section of Burning Questions. Okay. Has Ryan Reynolds reached out since the People's Choice Awards? No. Do you blame him? (laughs) What's one thing that you want to do forever and for always? Oh, I just want to sing. What makes you feel like a woman? Independence. What does impress you much these days? Oh, my gosh. I am not hard to impress. Well, I take that back. I really am hard to impress now. What's up, y'all? It's Tyler Hubbard. I'm Carly Pierce. This is Kelsey Ballerini. Hey, guys, it's Breland here. And I'm Shania Twain. My episode of Country Heat Weekly starts now. Let's go, girls. Now that (laughs) is an intro. (laughs) Can we get Shania to bring us on every episode? I mean, we have it on tape. I don't see why not. (laughs) I'm Amber Anderson. Welcome to the destination for country music fans, Country Heat Weekly. I'm Kelly Sutton, and we podcast each week from Nashville this week, we have a packed show for you, starting with the queen of me herself, the queen of pop country music, Shania Twain. We recorded our interview last week right after she did the Kelly Clarkson show. So if you saw her on Kelly's show, she was still in that outfit with the dark curly hair when she talked to us. And then last weekend, she showed up at the Grammy event with long, straight blonde hair, I mean, it took me a minute to recognize who she was. And then at the Grammy Awards, she had on a red wig. You know what they say. The best part about being a woman is the prerogative to have a little fun. That's right. (laughs) We're going to chat Grammy fashion in just a little bit, but back to Shania. We had such a great conversation with her about so many things, including how fashion has played a big part in her career, how she is structuring the set list for her upcoming tour, and what drives her to keep making music. We touch on her recent documentary, I'm Just a Girl. And of course, we talk all about the new album, the message she wants to get across with it, and a very special collaborator, her son, Asia. Shania's not the only star of this show, though. We get to talk with her opening act, Breland, someone we all know and love around here, about an event that he did last fall at the National Museum of African American Music and his goals as a Black man in country music. He calls himself a disruptor. And he is a disruptor in the best way. We'll also get to know another Amazon Music breakthrough artist to watch. Her name is Avery Anna, and we'll get to be a fly on the wall as she does a video shoot here in the Country Heat House. And if all of that is not enough, we've got new Grammy winners to talk about. So let's hit the kitchen and chat about what's cooking in country music. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? 
honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Did you watch the Grammys, Amber? I did. And I loved every second. <laughs> it was one of the best Grammys, in my opinion, in quite some time. And I was so proud of Luke Combs, Chris Stapleton, and Casey Musgraves, our country performers. Mm-hmm. Luke did Going, Going, Gone, which is on the Country Heat playlist right now. Yeah. Backstage at rehearsals, he talked about his goals for the performance. I think it's a perfect fit for, for this show. And I'm excited for a lot of people who maybe never heard of me or listened to me before, um, you know, kind of get a chance to, you know, at least hear me and go, oh, this guy's not so bad or, or something, you know, gain a couple fans somehow, you know, so that'll be fun. Like a left field home run ball, like a whiskey shot and last call, it's like she was made for moving on, that girl is going, going on. Now, I've got a hot take, okay? This might be an unpopular opinion. Let me start by saying... I loved Casey Musgraves' performance. Mm -hmm. She had a great tribute to Loretta Lynn. And what I'm about to say is absolutely no reflection on her. Okay, noted. Also, really quick, shout out to Loretta's family for sending Casey one of Loretta's guitars to play on the show. I I thought that was really cool. It was really cool to see Casey playing the guitar and it has Loretta Lynn's name and the fretboard on there. And then when you look behind her, the picture of Loretta... She was holding the same guitar Casey was playing. It was so cool. So it seems to me like it would have been nice of the Recording Academy to have showcased a different song of Loretta's. Hear me out. We all know and love Coal Miner's Daughter. The song, the movie, we know it. It just seemed like that it was low-hanging fruit. I mean, she has such a large body of important work, Grammy-nominated and Grammy-winning work, that they could have showcased But I also get why they went with what they did. Yeah, that's a really good point. But I do think it's something everybody knows. Right. It's so iconic. But it would have been cool for them to highlight something from Van Leer Rose, which won Best Country Album in 2005. Right? I mean, that would have demonstrated Loretta's long-lasting impact on the format. Casey was amazing, Amazing. And looked amazing. (sighs) She sounded so good. Yeah. All right. Do you have the list of winners in front of you? I do. Okay. So three of the four country awards were given out on the pre-show telecast. Which bothers me, by the way. Just going to say it. I know. 
But there are like 356 categories, so they can't do them all on TV. I think that (laughs) technically, I think there's like 91, but who's counting? I'm dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) So Willie Nelson won for two different projects. He wasn't in L.A. Sunday night, but his album, A Beautiful Time, took home Best Country Album, which Shania announced on the televised ceremony. So we did get to see that. Mm -hmm. And then he won Best Country Solo Performance for Live Forever, the title track of his tribute album to Billy Joe Shaver. Just like the songs I leave behind me, I'm gonna live forever now. Remember what Cody Johnson told us was on his bucket list for 2023? I've always wanted a Grammy. Just throwing that out there. He came so close. I know. (laughs) His song, Till You Can't, was named Country Song of the Year, but that is actually one Cody didn't write. So the award doesn't go to him exactly, but instead goes to the songwriters, Matt Rogers and Ben Stennis. If you got a chance, take it. And of course, we're excited for friends of the pod, Carly Pierce and Ashley McBride, who took home their first Grammys for their song, Never Wanted to Be That Girl. Here's a bit of their acceptance speech from the pre-show awards. I've known Ashley for a long time, and I just wanted to sing a song with her. And we wrote this song, and it has just transcended so many of my wildest dreams. Real music, real country music. Thank you, country music fans, and thank you to the Academy. Holy moly! This is my first nomination, so I was not expecting this! We want a Grammy! Holy sh! <laughs> so Shane McAnally wrote the song with them, right? Does he get a Grammy? So it's actually the opposite in this case. So he does not get a Grammy <gasps> because it goes to the artist for the performance. Yeah. So it's like the opposite issue of Cody. Okay, I get it. <laughs> well, congratulations to all the winners. Now, can we talk about the fashion for just a minute? Of course we can. (laughs) So what were your favorite Grammy looks? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Kelsey Ballerini in her yellow dress was stunning. Just classic and elegant. I love how consistent she is, too, with the color yellow. This is her subject to change era, right? Mm -hmm. She clearly took notes from Taylor Swift, who was, of course, in her midnight blue velvet little two-piece with the sparkles. I loved that one, and I loved Taylor's earrings. I was going to say, you know I'm an earring girl. We were obsessed. Obsessed with the (laughs) earrings. I'm like, how do I find dupes of those earrings? (laughs) They'll be out soon, I'm sure. I loved them. Ingrid Andress had a black cutout number that was killer. Did you see it? I did. Uh, She is one of the few people that I think could pull that one off. She can. Yes, yeah, she, she looked amazing. Can. You know who looked great? Brothers Osborne. They did. They always do. They, they always look good. Looked so very dapper. And I also saw that they posted a video on social media. You're not allowed to drink at the Grammys. And I say drink in air quotes. So they were um, partying in the car on the way there with some airplane bottles, which makes me laugh out loud. And I <laughs> love them so much for it. Also, Brandi Carlisle being introduced by her wife and kids was so adorable. I was in tears. So cute. And they had like the commercial. I saw that. Oh, oh so cute. 
It was just all around a really good show. I think I so, yeah. I thought it was really, really great. Okay, one other big thing that happened last weekend was the Grand Ole Opry revealed an all-new set. And I'm guessing that you, as an Opry announcer and host, knew all about it before I saw it on social media. Yeah. <laughs> they took all of the staff over for a preview last week so that we could see all the things that this new backdrop can do. So don't worry, it is still the iconic barn backdrop that everyone knows and loves for the Grand Ole Opry. They've just refreshed it, given it an update. There have been over $4 million in upgrades done to the set. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. So 113 speakers in the auditorium, new memory foam cushion seats for everybody to sit on, still the bench seats that you're used to, but they're way softer now. Okay. Uh, brand new LED backdrop, which is just incredible. Again, it looks like a barn, but every piece of it is a video screen. I mean, really, the sky's the limit. The way that it was explained to us is, we just bought an F-A-18 fighter jet. We just can't do loop-de-loops with it every night. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like controlled access, a little at a time. Yeah, we're not going all out. It's still going to be the Opry that you know and love, but just enhanced. And the sound in there is absolutely incredible. If you get a chance, please come check it out. The other thing that I know you're going to love, Amber, we've got our famed circle that's mm -hmm. right in the middle. It's now outlined with lights. So the I minute like that someone that. steps into it, boom, it lights up. I love this. So cool. As a former Aubrey employee, yeah. you know, I have a very, very soft spot in my heart for that whole building. And actually, the barn got switched over the first time when I worked there oh. from the old font to like the new font. And that yeah. was like a big deal. Yes. So I can only imagine yeah. now. Like, this is going to be, this is a new era for the Opry. It's, it's next exciting. Level. <laughs> When's your next time to announce? Valentine's Day. Oh, I know. I'm going to be there with Gary LaVox from Rascal Flats. Lainey Wilson's going to be there. Scotty McCreary and Chase Rice. And the best part is the way they've redesigned the podium. I don't think that I have to stand on an Apple box when I'm <laughs> announcing anymore. <laughs> so now we know the real reason they remodeled. <laughs> We've got something special for you this episode as we continue our celebration of Black History Month. One of the things that we are really proud of here is the way that we hold space for tough conversations. And we make sure there's a room for everyone at our country music table. If you heard last week's episode, we talked to Madeline Edwards about her role as a Black woman in country music. Another artist really doing the work to bust open the genre is Breland. Today, we're sharing some excerpts from a conversation we had with him last November about his album release event, which included a panel at the National Museum of African American Music. It was a really, really special night, and I felt like we were able to have some of the types of conversations that need to be had about what does cross-country as a movement mean within country music and beyond. And that's what I wanted to have the conversation about. We could always get into the nitty gritty of what each of these songs represents and, and how I came up with them and who I wrote them with. And those conversations are great. But if we can zoom out and figure out from a purpose perspective, what is the purpose of us all being here? And every person that was invited to that and every person that attended, I feel like, has a really distinct purpose uh, within the music world and within the country music world and, and a perspective that needs to be heard and shared. Uh, and so to have representation from the Amazon team there and for y'all to help bring it to life uh, made it even dope. 
I love the fact that you are thinking in bigger and broader terms than just music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a lot more to what you're willing to say and the things that you're willing to speak about. When did that open up? When did you finally go, no, no, I have the right to talk about any of this stuff? And not only the right, but like that's responsibility. That's part of who I am. Yeah, I think not every artist is able, equipped with the necessary tools to be able to talk about certain issues. But I feel like I am uniquely equipped to be able to talk about a lot of different things, both from my own experience as uh, a Black artist, as an artist of color in a predominantly white space, but also just as someone that is educated on a lot of different types of issues. I think my artistry is linked to some of those opinions and perspectives. Ultimately, with Cross Country, my goal is to be able to bring people together and for people to be able to understand, uh, you know, both their shared and differing experiences in a way that humanizes them. Uh, And so I think for me to be able to speak out about certain things and write op-ed pieces uh, and, and have conversations that I feel like need to be had, that is a part of what I do. I'm inspired by people like Mickey Guyton, Dolly Parton. I'm inspired by the Mara Morrises of the world. I also know that I have my own perspectives and, and my own way of delivering some of these things. Uh, and I try to lead with a lot of love. I try not to be confrontational, not to say that any of those people are. There is work to be done in all of these communities that we have occasionally given mainstream media attention to, right? Like, it's not over just because there's not large-scale protests going on right now, you know? And, and I think that's part of the work that I am here to do. We're about to go to break, but first, it's time for another edition of Who Said That? This is an artist talking about their favorite Super Bowl snack foods. (laughs) The quote is, if there's any cheese board near me, I will be eating it. And then sneaking back over to it four or five different times and it will be gone. Who said that? Make your guess while we take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll play the audio to see if you were right. And we'll be talking to Shania. Don't go anywhere. It's Lainey Wilson. It's Kane Brown. This is Keith Urban. And I'm Kelsey Ballerini. Kelly and Amber will be right back with more Country Heat Weekly. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. Okay, it's time to tell you who said that. My favorite Super Bowl snack. I love a charcuterie board. I mean, if there's any cheese board near me, I will be eating it and then sneaking back over to it four or five different times and it'll be gone. Marin Morris. <laughs> any kind of charcuterie board or grazing station, I'm there with her. Our center stage guest today needs no introduction. In fact, she doesn't even need a last name. She's a five-time Grammy winner and the best-selling female country artist of all time with more than 100 million albums sold worldwide. And she's here with us on Country Heat Weekly. Shania! So good to see you. <laughs> Thank you. What an introduction. <laughs> uh, okay, you're Zooming in with us today. Where are you? Are you in the U.S.? I'm in Los Angeles at the moment. So you've been all over the place. It's hard to keep up. We're here to talk about the new music. We've got other things that we're going to talk about on the backside of it. But let's dive right in. When did this project get started? The songwriting for the album was primarily over COVID, you know, the most intense two-year period. Frustrating because I couldn't get in the studio with any people, any talent, um, you know, to get it produced and so on. So I was alone with my songwriting for those two years, very isolated. So in my songwriting, I really turned to using it as something to cheer me up. It was an opportunity to get myself into a frame of mind of positivity and optimism. So I started writing songs that I could dance to, uh, positive affirmations, you know, just reminding myself every day to be happy, that life is great, you know, all those things. So the album was written to inspire me and to cheer me up. Well, it definitely has that sound, for yeah. sure. Oh, it yeah. is, it's so great. So at this point in your career, what would you say drives you to keep making music? Because I know it's different from when you were a new artist and you're trying to make a name for yourself. You're trying to get on the radio. You're trying to get booked on tours. So at this point, what, what drives you to keep going? The love of music. I just love music. Working with sounds, playing with lyrics. I kind of call it playing. It's playing with music, really. I'm playing with music. I'm not working with music. And it's just a love. It's also medicinal for me, you know, like music is here to stay for me no matter what. In some way, whatever way I can manage it. That's what we wanted to hear. Yes. We're happy to hear that. <laughs> you know, let's talk about this album because sonically it is a bit different for you. I mean, you've always been one to kick down any kind of walls that anybody tries to build around you. They're not going to put you in a box, that's for sure. Were you hearing the tracks or was it more of the lyrics that you were really trying to dive into during that first writing process? The very early writing process for me is in pretty much entirely me alone with my guitar. Okay. I will, you know, I'm strumming out grooves. I work out the, the, the tempos and the feel of a song, the time signature early on in the songwriting. Now we've got 12 songs on this new album. So let's start with the title track, Queen of Me. I'm queen of me. Following my dream. 
Queen of Me is about taking charge of my own personal self-empowerment. Not bossing anyone else around, not being the boss of anyone else, but being the boss of me and driving my own bus. I'm really talking to myself in that whole song. (laughs) (laughs) I am the queen of me! (laughs) But you know what? There is is something really powerful about being at a point in your life where you know that, understand that, and take that on. A new artist couldn't say those and be believable. You know, this is something that you've worked into, and it's a point in your career now that you feel really comfortable being who you are in your own skin. This is very true. I would love to see people feel that way much earlier on in life. I think that's very achievable. Uh, I like to be able to inspire people to do that, to not wait till they're 57, you know, in menopause. Um, This type of confidence, self-assuredness, being comfortable in your own skin needs to be all our lives. I'm not going to get younger. I'm not going to get prettier. I'm not going to get all of those things that we pressure ourselves to be. I'm not going to get more perfect. My goal is to appreciate and respect myself for who I am right now Mm -hmm. and and really indulge in that. Preach. That's That's so good. I know. (laughs) At what point did you know that this was going to be the name of the album and the tour? Very early on, I knew that Queen of Me was what I wanted to say across the whole album as an empowering statement. That ended up being, uh, you know, turning into a song, Queen of Me, and inspiring the whole rest of the album, talking all about very similar things, like I'm not just a girl, and brand new me, uh, best friend. There's so many, you know, uh, inhale, exhale. They're all very, very much... I mean, I think every every song on the album actually has that message of self-expression and inspiration. Well, we're going to talk about the tour in just a few minutes. We're definitely going to get to that. But we want to f- highlight a few more of the new songs. The latest focus track is Giddy Up. And this one is a fun one. <laughs> it's so fun. It was time to put some up in my giddy. And because I literally, it just came to me like that. I was like, wow, I haven't felt giddy in so long. I got to get giddy, man. I got to get giddy. So up in your giddy. giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, now, we know it. that you love horses, that that's always been something that you, you know, talked about. But you now have been sporting a cowboy hat, which we are totally digging. Is this a new look for you? I just love the cowboy hat. I, I rarely wore cowboy hats earlier on in my career. I did remember, I think the very first one I really sported was um, the big pink one. Okay. Yeah. You know, the Stetson shaped pink one. I love hats. I mean, listen, I, if I'm the queen of something, it definitely is of a bad hair day, queen of bad hair days. I, I <laughs> am good at that. So, we have to have a collection of hats. We can just throw on it any minute. And the cowboy hat is so ideal. I love it. I love the shape of the cap. It's many shapes. Uh, they're comfortable. So, yeah, it's a great go-to. Well, we know that fashion has played such a big role in your career. So when did you first discover fashion as a creative outlet for you? From my very first video, What Made You Say That? I was given the freedom of being my own stylist. <laughs> I had It was a very small budget. And I realized that, wow, on this platform of video, 
I can actually step out of myself. And I felt a liberation and my imagination started going crazy. And this is when I did the whole midriff thing. And I love like the, you know, the, the bell sleeve and the bell pant. Everything changed when all of a sudden I was able to create another me. Mm. And I just had a blast with it. So even though those clothes, I think I, I think they came from, they were either Walmart or Walmart or Kmart, something like that. And just right off the rack, I had to pin things. I was roll. I was, oh my gosh. I was my own seamstress. I was my own stylist. I had to have a lot of safety pins around. But I was really just, I was getting into the character of being the stylist, I guess you could say, and then the model. What made you say that wasn't the moonlight, was the starlight in the What made you say that you've been listening to your heart? I mean, by the time I did have a stylist, I'd already had um, several successful videos, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, so... All of a sudden now, I have access to my budgets, or better, I have access to uh, designers. And I was already so clear by then as to what, you know, I knew my body better. I knew how to, you know, I understood the camera angles better, the lighting. I love the production. So I was already more educated in the way of absorb lights, um, fabrics, the way they move, so many things. So right off the bat, I was collaborating with the designer and redesigning things or or modifying them or starting them from scratch with the designer. So I was very involved. Okay, we're going to, I could literally talk to you about this all day. Like, I'm like, <laughs> let's talk fashion the whole time. But we want to jump back to the music. My favorite track on the album is a song called Number One. And I said that before we saw the songwriting credits, and you wrote this with your son, Asia. So we wanted to know, how did he get involved in co-writing this song? So it, it happened the other way around. He had written the song um, a few years ago, honestly. And I was, you know, I, I like to hear what he does and sit around and um, catch up on his latest music projects. And he played this one song, and I thought, wow, I really like that. Do you mind if I, you know, would you send me the stems to this? Because I have my own little Pro Tools thing. So he sends me the stems. I said, I'll just play around with it. Um, I didn't uh, tell him that I was going to do anything with it. I wasn't even really sure myself what I was going to do with it. But once I headed into making the album, I decided to, uh, to do a demo of it. Went into the producer in the end when I was finally able to get in with producers. Played that for him and he goes, wow, I really love that. Let's do it. So I didn't tell Asia about it until it was already done because I didn't want him to be disappointed in case the producer didn't like it. I like the producers to be able to, you know, hone in in on the songs they really want to produce. Right. So he only found out about it after. So obviously, music is his love language as well. Is he putting out his own music as an artist? Is he primarily working as a songwriter? He's a songwriter, arranger, producer. He is not an artist in his own right. He doesn't really want to be in the spotlight. So I believe that his journey uh, is going to be more behind the scenes. That's what he loves to do. He loves to just create the music. That's got to be satisfying I to know. watch, too. Okay, Queen of Me tour kicks off April 28th. You go all around the world. What do you love the most about touring? Going to the people, going to their town, to their community. I sort of say to their personality, because when you go to someone else's home, you see who they really are. 
it is very true that every night the audience is different. They've got their own isms, their own way, their own spirit. So I really enjoyed that. That keeps it fresh. Okay, so then I'm going to flip it. What is the worst part of touring for you? The discipline. You can't spend extra time speaking because you got to save your voice. You have to eat really, really, really well. I do anyway. It really affects me if I don't eat properly, especially on a show day. So I'll only drink liquids on a show day. It's just discipline. It's a lot of hard work because it's very tiring. It's a lot of traveling. So you have to be, you know, you know, I don't party. I don't, I, I make sure I sleep. It's sleep, eat, work, travel, mm-hmm. and perform. Sleep, eat, work, travel, perform. Sleep, eat, work, travel, perform. Yeah. <laughs> Wash, rinse, repeat. I know. You said raw. So is that something that you've really focused on is trying to stay with a raw diet when you're on tour or just on show days? I mean, in general, I do like raw food eating, and I do eat a lot of it even if I'm not on tour. But my, for example, my um, my show day liquid is always kale and spinach raw, okay, in the blender with um, a banana and uh, almond milk. Go to, yeah, protein, iron, energy, mm-hmm. calcium, all of that. That's a good combo. I've done that. <laughs> That's it's a good, good combo. One. Okay, so the first leg of your tour hits your native Canada. How much fun is it to play home for you? It's very rewarding playing home. Uh, it's where I, I began. And to be able to say that it's all full circle, uh, it kind of gets me warm and fuzzy, you know? <laughs> it's, got, it's got that feeling to it. So when people come to see you, obviously we know you're going to play the big hits. How much new music is going to be incorporated into the tour? And what can they expect when they're coming out to catch you on Queen of Me? Well, I do plan on doing at least five new songs off the album. And I'm really waiting until, you know, I really want uh, the music to get into the hands of the fans. I want them to let me know what they really want to hear on the tour because, I mean, I'm I'm going to keep the classics in there. So I've only got so much room to put in (laughs) new songs, and I want to make sure that they're the ones everybody wants to hear. Yeah, that's a good problem to have, though. It really is. (laughs) You're like, I only have so much time, and i got to play the hits, got to play the hits. Do you travel by bus, or do you fly from show to show? Every tour is different because it depends on the way the tour is laid out. Mm -hmm. Um, The distances on this tour are really, really all over the place, so I'm going to be flying for a lot of it. I prefer the bus. I prefer that the stability of being on the bus and just getting off the stage into my bus shower and then I'm done, I'm in for the night. You know, I love that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this tour is not really practical to bus it. <laughs> so when you walk on the bus, what's your must-have? Like, I love the fact that I have blank on the bus waiting for me. I just want to have a shower. <laughs> I need a good, like, my first tour bus had a bathtub. I loved my bathtub. Hot Baths. I made them wait till I was finished my nice hot bath soak, and then off we go. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Good yep, bath on the bus. That's it. Uh huh. That's a good one. <laughs> You've got Kelsey Ballerini out on a few of those dates, and you guys have struck up a friendship. So, what does it mean to have somebody that's of her generation talking to you and and really being a mentor for her? It's really fun. I I call it reuniting with adults who are now adults that were children when they grew up listening to me. So it's as if we've jumped forward, uh, you know, we're 20 years now later, 20, 30 years later with a lot of these um, kids, I'm calling them, but, and they're all grown up. 
So getting together with them now, people like Kelsey, people like Harry Styles or the Jonas Brothers, Taylor, uh, you know, we, we sit down and chat about these things and it's like, yeah, you're all grown up. <laughs> you were six and now you're like. <laughs> so it, feel, it feels like a reunion. It's really beautiful. That's amazing. Before we go, we do want to touch on the Netflix documentary, Not Just a Girl. What was it that you wanted to share? Because you're at a point in your career that you don't have to share anything that you don't want to. Why was it important to do this? I want to inspire people that just need a bit of encouragement when, you know, I've I've had so many ups and downs. And I just kind of feel like not sharing some of the things that I've benefited from those ups and downs. You know, the the falling and getting back up and the reward of that. Um, It just feels better to know that I went through all of that for more of a reason than just for myself and my own benefit. It's just so, it just feels so much better to share that and go, wow, okay, you know, um, if it helps somebody else and it just makes it all that much more worth it. That is really the reason. Um, Otherwise, I mean, I'm the only one that benefits from it and I have benefited from it. I have no regrets, but. Um, I'd rather share. Well, we loved it. Absolutely. It was incredible. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that part of you with us because I know as fans of yours, like it was so wonderful to to hear your stories from your perspective and from you. So we're binging the documentary. What are you binging right now? Oh, well, you know, I've been signing thousands of inserts for vinyl and CDs, right? So my favorite thing to do when I'm signing, autographing, is to watch uh, something like Love is Blind. Oh, yeah. Love it. <laughs> yes. Okay, just get me through the seasons. Yeah, I want to see what happens next. Yeah. You know, I can look up every once in a while. Like, I'm serious because I can still hear the dialogue, right? Yeah. I can still hear everything that's going on, do my signing, look up every once in a while. Yeah, get back to my signing, and I can still hear all of their conversations. <laughs> um, so that's definitely one of them. But Naked and Afraid is one of my absolute go-tos. I love it. Really? I've never watched that. Oh my, it is, inc- <laughs> it's incredible, but also yeah. the secondhand embarrassment is a lot. <laughs> but I just think like the binge watching for me is usually something that I don't, that I don't want to be too intense. Yeah, it's like right. mindless. Right, right, right. So I'll, I will, I need the entertainment, you know, and, and that <laughs> element. Um, I do, I love to watch a lot of documentaries, but when we're talking about, you know, and those are always yeah. really intense, but when we're talking about binge watching, definitely yeah. Naked and Afraid and Love is Blind. Mindless TV is so good. It doesn't take too much brain energy, you know? You can you can you can do other things at the same Correct. time. Right. Multitasking. That's it. Thank you so much Thank for joining us. We can't so wait to much. see you out on tour. Thank you. Yeah, I look forward to it, guys. We'll see be there. there. We'll see you in Nashville. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. At the beginning of the year, Amazon Music announced their 2023 class of breakthrough artists to watch. And that included seven country artists. We've been introducing these rising stars to you each week on the podcast, and now it's Avrianna's turn. Take your spot as a fly on the wall as she shoots some promotional pieces here at the Country Heat House. So my name's Avery, and I'm from Flagstaff, Arizona. When COVID hit, I was a junior in high school doing online school. I'd get really bored, so I did what every other kid did, and I'd turn off my camera, and I'd turn off my mic, and I went and did something else. And for me, that something was going to my mom's bathroom and sitting in her big closet bathtub, and I would sing because the acoustics were good in there. When I got TikTok famous, it really became a possibility in my mind, and then that's when I really started chasing it. Just cause I love you. 
my single, Just Cause I Love You. And then I signed a record deal last July. And then I moved to Nashville last August, finished my senior year online, and here I am. <laughs> I remember music really was first introduced to me um, by my grandpa. We would sing really, really old country, uh, like Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Donna Fargo, uh, Patsy Cline, all the good stuff. And I was really raised on, on music and country music specifically, but that's where my love for it really started. I think for people that have never heard my music, the first song they should start with is Narcissist, just because it has just created this huge community of people that are able to talk about what they've walked through. And it describes a feeling that's really hard to put into words. Um, and I feel like a lot of people can really relate to it. And I know you'll get over me, but can you get over yourself before you go and love somebody else? You should probably get some help. And then they should go to Lottie Dot because that'll put them in a better mood. <laughs> if I could sing biggest gig I've played was my fourth show I had ever played and it was in the O2 Arena in London at the C2C Festival and there was like 15,000 people in there and I was in the middle of the O2 and it was so surreal. It really broke me in for shows. When I'm not making music, you'll probably find me doing chores. Other than that, I really like riding horses, painting, I love sports, volleyball, basketball, tennis, pickleball, spike ball, anything that people want to play, I'll, I'll do it. Girl after my own heart. Before we go, we want to say hey to some people who have checked in on social media this week. Elaine said, love the podcast and both of you. Five stars for sure. We love those five-star ratings and positive reviews on the podcast apps. Thank you, Elaine. Yes, we do. Pamela said, we're awesome. So thank you, Pamela. Thanks, Pamela. And we also heard from Brian, Carla, and Sammy. Well, all of you are awesome. Thank you for listening. And make sure that you say hi on socials. You can find me at the Kelly Sutton. And I'm Hey, it's Amber A. Use the hashtag Country Heat Weekly to help spread the word. Next week, we are going to chat with Chase Rice all about his brand new album. And the first thing we're going to do is make him explain the title. I don't even like saying it. Please know this does not reflect the opinions of this podcast. It's called I Hate Cowboys and All Dogs Go to... No. Nope. I'm not saying it. <laughs> Come on down, Chase, because we've got questions. <laughs> and please bring your dog. Valentine's Day is less than a week away. So if you need some ideas, our burning question is here to help. We ask the stars for the most romantic thing they've ever done. Here are some insights and ideas from Breland, Hardy, Tyler Hubbard, and Madeline Edwards. On 10-10-10, at 10-10, I had my first kiss with my high school girlfriend. I proposed to Callie, like, the exact spot that we literally first laid eyes on each other. I don't know. I asked my wife to marry me in a helicopter. I don't know if that's romantic or not. 
Last year for our one-year anniversary, I made a bunch of cards that are for a one-hour massage, and I, like, go in on it. Like, I get all the fancy lotions, I get the hot stones, the hot towels, and he gets to use a card whenever he wants to, and I give him 12 of them, one for each month. Chase Rice, on the other hand, loses this game. And Pfeiffer Beach, <laughs> the sand was purple, the sun was setting, it was, like, straight out of a movie type thing, and then I look over, and it's my best buddy, 350-pound man. I look over, and I'm like, why are you here? Most romantic thing I've ever done is with my damn best friend. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Country Heat Weekly is a production of Amazon Music and Wondery. Executive producer is Melissa Locker for Nevermind Media. Senior producer is Joyce Reiser. Recording engineer, Aaron Dethridge. Sound design by Debbie Daughtry. Production assistance from Rick Hamilton, Annie Reuter, Madeline O'Connell, Tim Einenkel, and Jeremy Chua. Our theme song, Country Time, was written and performed by Mia Byrne. The team for Amazon Music and Wondery includes Nathan Brackett, Michelle Kammerer, Emily Feld, Callum Blues, Emily Belote, and Jenny Tay. The executive producers for Wondery are Dave Easton and Marshall Louie. Production support services from Marley, Steve, Grace, Winnie, Moses, Wicket, Osmo, Abby, Scraps, and all the other very good dogs out there. Find and follow Country Heat Weekly on Amazon Music or wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll get the latest episodes just as soon as they drop. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Country Heat Weekly ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at listenerstudy.com. I'm Shimol Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost, but now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.